A reading from Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones. He led me all around them, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. And put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone I looked and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they might live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. They prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from the graves, O my people. And I will look back to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open the graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you on my own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. A reading from the book of John, chapter 11, the death of Lazarus. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Martha and her sister Mary. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, 
he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came and where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. And so the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? They took away the stone, and Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength, our hope and our Redeemer. Amen. Our text for today is taken from that reading from Ezekiel. Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel.
Ezekiel must have had an absolute nightmare of a time. In 597 BC, he was exiled along with the remaining peoples of Israel to Babylon. He was placed in an impossible position, trying to be a prophet, a priest, a leader and teacher to a people in absolute despair. The book of Ezekiel is incredibly hard to read as well, probably reflecting Ezekiel's own mental state. We probably would diagnose him with PTSD today, certainly severe depression. Understandably so, considering all of the circumstances in which he found himself. Here he is, trying to perform the impossible task, to give hope in a seemingly hopeless situation. How can you be a prophet in a situation like that? How can you lead your people and offer comfort when everything seems so terrible? And so he has a vision. And in this vision, it starts off seemingly in the same place that his people are in. A scene of utter fear and hopelessness. It's possible that he was minded of the scenes that he had seen when Jerusalem itself had been destroyed. Maybe it was a kind of a flashback. A battlefield full of the dead, an entire nation's army wiped out. There is no life, no hope. The flesh has been carried away, the blood has seeped into the ground. The women, the frail and the children have been carted away as the spoils of war by the victors. All that are left are the bones. The scavenging animals have had their fill. When Jerusalem fell, Ezekiel lost his wife, his beloved wife, and this also no doubt was playing heavily on his mind. Here he was, grieving, surrounded by people grieving, people without a home, without any hope. So here he is, hundreds of miles from all that he knew, surrounded by people who, like him, cannot worship in their own sanctuary. They are all together, grieving, ill, confused. Most have lost loved ones. There are children without parents, mothers and fathers without children. They are captive, compelled to do hard labour, and they feel that God has abandoned them. From out of the depths I cry to thee. There's no sense of peace, no notion of when they can return to their normal life. The psalmist says this, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Ezekiel recognises that 
At times of despair, it is easy to wallow in fear. And so, as a result, he has this vision which echoes the hopelessness of their situation. But his vision doesn't stay there. It moves. It takes him and his people on a journey that Ezekiel knows that they are going to have to make. The spirit moves amongst the fear, the grief, the desperation. It breathes new hope, new strength, new purpose, new life. Ezekiel recognises that you cannot wallow in that fear and despair. Out of the mountain of despair, each of us must hew a stone of hope. Only through hope can we survive the days and weeks ahead. For many in our community, there are feelings of utter hopelessness. For some, the sense of being in exile is, is a familiar one within our own communities. I'm thinking here of our friends at St Peter's from the Eritrean community who also worship with us. People who have fled from the horrors of war themselves. Think of the refugees and asylum seekers up and down our country for whom this story of exile and fear are all too common. Think of the Windrush generation, so far from home, so often in their new home feeling that they are alienated, despised and rejected. And so for all of us now, there is a certain sense of irony. Here we are in our own homes and yet maybe feeling that we are in exile as well. Maybe now is the time for us to start to have greater empathy and understanding of those who have fled from their normal existence because of unnamed threats and fears. For we are all presently exiled from our normal daily lives. Exiled in fear, uncertainty, boredom, knowing that life will possibly never be the same again. When will we be able to fully socialise, to shake hands, to hug, to share in food and wine? When will we be able to gather again in worship? And I guess there are further questions for us. What will our nation look like following this vicious disease? Will our lives be altered forever? Will we as a nation be more compassionate and less divided? Will this enforced halt teach us anything? Our gospel story for today is also of a hopeless scenario Lazarus has been dead for four days and in the heat of the Middle East his body would have been decomposing by this point. Martha points this out to Jesus. The body is starting to smell. There's the stench of death in the air. It is at these periods of complete hopelessness that Ezekiel and Jesus come into their own. 
Ezekiel says to his people, you have got to start hoping there is the spirit and it will breathe new life. Life will resume. And for Jesus, he too notices the despair, the hopelessness surrounding him and seeks to offer transformation. It is this, this purpose, which is the purpose for each of us to seek to transform those areas of despair, of evil and fear. Where there is despair in life, may we bring hope. Now I'm not saying that that hope is easy to find. In fact, it's incredibly difficult. It may take significant effort for each of us. The situation may appear desperate. So for each of us, we may need to seek to find hidden resources to, to hold on to that hope, almost to kid ourselves at times into hoping. There is a mountain of despair and we need to hack away at it to hew out our own stone of hope. Life will find a way. Life will return. And so in the future, when we gather, we will mourn where appropriate for the times and the lives that have been lost, the families that have been altered considerably. But when we gather, we will gather to worship together again and we will celebrate at our community rejoining. I cannot wait to break bread and to share wine with you again. Our community will start to function again. Jobs will be created. Families and friends will properly gather. Grandparents, you will get to see and hold your grandchildren again. Ezekiel's vision is for his country to return to head back from exile, to renew, to find seeds of growth and strength amongst the weeds of helplessness and confusion. The good news of the gospel is this, there is hope for us, for our communities, for our nation and for our world. It is the business of the church to offer hope where seemingly there is none. And we remember this in the days and weeks ahead as we move into Holy Week and the run up to Good Friday. We remember that our Lord died upon a cross for each of us. We remember the agony and horror of the crucifixion. And yet, and yet three days later, the tomb would be empty and there is hope even in the darkest moments of life. God is present, therefore there is hope. God has not abandoned us. In fact, God is hard at work at the moment through us and despite us. So, Hold on to some hope 
but offer hope to others as well at this time. Could you volunteer to help shop for some of those in isolation? Could you phone round a few extra friends, those who you know might be lonely at this time, just to check that they are okay? Can you be more diligent in your prayer and your Bible study at this time? But also, use this time of enforced halting to plan. Dream about the future. Dream about that which will start again. Think how you can contribute to that new community, that new church, that new world. Today we hear stories of a dead man walking and valleys of dry bones breathe back to life. That there is hope and the possibility of renewal and transformation even where there appear to be no grounds for any hope whatsoever. Things are not going to be the same again, but use this period of waiting and struggle to learn more about yourself and what you can and should offer. We are in the eventide. The night is coming. But rest assured, as we rest, a dawn will break, the sun will rise, and there's going to be a lot of work for all of us to do. So my prayer for us this week is that we welcome the spirit of hope into our hearts, that true hope which is founded in the life, death and resurrection of Christ. Out of the mountains of despair, let each of us hew a stone of hope, each of us to chip away at that mountain. At the darkest moments, that is when the light of God becomes clearer, but it is also the time when we must each shine more brightly. So may God grant us peace in our hearts, so that we can enact his hope this day. Amen.